Okay, welcome to another episode of The Near Memo with me, Greg Sterling, Mike Blumenthal, and David Mim, where we talk about what's happened in the week of search, social, and commerce with a local inflection on all of that. And um, today, I'm proud to announce is our 10th podcast, which Mike just informed me puts us in the top 36% of all podcasts in terms of longevity uh, and uh, pr- pr- productivity, I guess. Most podcasts don't have more than just a couple of uh, episodes. So uh, hooray for us. And um, thank you all for listening and downloading the podcast. And we hope you'll you'll continue doing that. And with that, I'm going to turn it over to David to talk about the lead item of the week. Wow, the lead item. Uh, I'm not sure I can quite state that, but my my lead item for the week. A uh, random random piece of news. A random item that I thought was pretty interesting. (laughs) Which may Uh, or may not have any significance at all. (laughs) So Greg highlighted uh, the new funding round for a company called, I think it's Swift, is that right? S-W-Y-F-T. That is essentially attempting to replicate Amazon Prime for uh, independent e-commerce uh, merchants. And then it also caught my eye that Best Buy in, in the sort of uh, smaller link section, uh, Greg, that you highlighted Best Buy's new membership program, which they're charging $200 a year for, uh, it, which includes sort of prime-like shipping and free installation and tech support and all of those kinds of things. And, the, the, and, and you've highlighted in the past uh, a fulfillment operation that April, April Underwood has started in Oakland uh, called nearby, and it just strikes me that we're starting now to see um, companies, you know, taking pieces of the Amazon Prime playbook and trying to deliver those to independent merchants, which I think is awesome. And I wish all of them great success. Best, Best Buy maybe not quite as great a success as the other two, but um, it, it does strike me that there there's probably an opportunity here for someone like Shopify or Square or Squarespace, which just acquired Talk last week, or Wix or any of these these sort of increasingly platform players in the SMB space to start to aggregate these kinds of services, uh, either by building their own or partnering with a number of them, um, and and to roll their own version of Amazon Prime for all of their merchants, um, which I think would be a really compelling offering. And I and I know that Shopify you know, launched the shop app uh, last year, which I have to admit, I haven't even downloaded yet. It, it was disappointing. The, that the was promise, my experience. The promise of that app uh, combined with something like a prime, a, a replicable prime program, um, A, I think would be a big re- revenue generator for these guys, especially as so many consumers have expressed the, the interest in supporting small businesses. And B, I think would also bring more merchants to their platform if they could get to become part of one of these sort of, you know, two-day fulfillment, free shipping uh, type services. So I thought that was a really interesting raise by Swift. And and again, the fact that Best Buy is rolling its own sort of membership program um, combined makes me think that there's an opportunity here. Don't you think, though, there's this conflict with Shopify between something they try to do like that app versus the individual businesses keeping their own brand and living and thriving on their own brand. And there's this conflict that if it goes to the Shopify level, it sort of degrades the essence of what Shopify is. I don't actually, because the Shopify merchants maintain their own presence on their own website and Shopify is merely giving them an additional channel to sell their goods. That is not true of Amazon, which does not offer an independent uh, 
website platform that that merchants can build their own equity on. So I see it as an additional distribution channel if it succeeds well, and not not a replacement for their website. Yeah, I, I th- it, well, Amazon bought that company sells, which is essentially a repl- you know is a version of that. They had a, they had a platform before they got rid of it. Now they're doing it again to compete with Shopify. I mean, I think Mike, I, I agree with the concern. You know, it's like it's like uh, uh, you know Google. I mean, it's like anytime you rely on a third party platform for distribution, the danger is that that platform becomes the brand, and you simply become some commodity provider of whatever your product is. But I do, I do agree with David that the, that the, that the two can coexist because a lot of these small businesses simply don't have the reach, can't get the reach, aren't going to ever get the reach that a Shopify could bring to them. And I do think that consumers want to support businesses and anything that makes it small businesses rather, and anything that makes it easier for them, you know, and makes it, uh, takes away the allure of the two day shipping, free shipping from Amazon is good. You know, you have to just remove the friction from the, from the small business purchase and then people will, will buy from them. But, but the app from Shopify, David noted, and I've also not, that he hadn't downloaded it. That's the problem with them attempting to provide new distribution channels. They don't really have well, the historic means to do so. Right. I well, think it I was mean, they, probably an MVP last year, and they're continuing to invest in it. And at some point, they're going to start promoting it to it, consumers, it, it, at which point I will definitely download it. So it, it was not good. I mean, I downloaded it immediately. I looked at it, and it was like, I thought this was going to be some small business version of Amazon, and it just was not. It was right. there. It was, you know, there was no there there really, but the potential certainly is there. And I mean, think about it, Etsy, right? I mean, that's a, that's a marketplace that's mostly small businesses, you know, individual crafts people and uh it's it did very it's done very very well in the in the you know pandemic period so i think mm-hmm. uh i think shopify does have a real opportunity combined with the the, the loyalty program i think somebody's going to definitely do it um you know and i don't try, see Sho- do unlike amazon i don't see shopify ever developing its own you know white label versions of whatever a successful shopify merchant is selling <laughs> uh if, if if it gets to that level i'll stop right sort of, Promoting yeah. Shopify as a good as a you know good actor in this space. Yeah, I think so. I think you're right. Um, are we ready to move on to Mike? And I'm, I'm his, good with that. Okay. All right. And your um, esoteric but meaningful discovery this week. So, so I went and revisited the FTC uh, press releases about their new rulemaking authority. I never, I, I've always wondered why the FTC was so lame when it came to punishment in abusive review, abuse ca- uh, review cases where, and it turns out that there's two functions at the FTC, guidance and rulemaking. If something falls under the guidance, which is easier for them to do, they are obligated to have these sort of first time excuses. You don't have to pay anything. It's just agree never to do it again. Rulemaking has always been harder for them to do because it requires formal processes and hearings, etc. And what they've done is they've taken rulemaking from the individual departments, consolidated it centrally to facilitate the skills needed to create rules, and have just declared that they're now going to make more rules to deliver effective deterrence for the novel harms of the digital economy, which means, and this was stated by Rebecca Kelly Slaughter, who's the new chairperson, that means that they're basically going to put in place rules with teeth 
against fake reviews and scams around fake reviews and all that whole thing where they've they've had very very light enforcement i don't know if you remember the last fall when sunday riley i think it's a makeup firm was caught red-handed with the president encouraging employees to leave fake reviews and the ftc said oh don't ever do it again and i was like what they i mean they got caught doing you know massive amounts of fake reviews and this commissioner the commissioner at the time rebecca kelly slaughter who's now the chairperson took the a unique time to, uh, situation to actually publish on the FTC an objection to the ruling, which was unheard of at the time. So she's clearly aghast at how weakly the enforcement's been and then just rechanged the whole rulemaking thing and now says they're going to start enforcing. So I'm kind of excited about it because I think that, you know, if there's a new sheriff in town and they might actually pull their gun out once in a while. Yes. Well, you know, I, I think I think this is a, a massive problem. We all know it's a massive problem that really hasn't been addressed, only sporadically addressed by the platforms to, you know, to say to show, hey, what a good boy am I? We we took down this one bad actor over here, but it's it's rampant. And it's um, it's something that I think is really harmful to consumers who rely very heavily on reviews to make purchase decisions, as as we know. Um, so, uh, you know, I look forward to, to some, some real, uh, enforcement. We'll see, we'll see what that means. I mean, they should also really come after Google and Amazon, uh, Yelp to a lesser degree and others, perhaps TripAdvisor to, to, to really sort of get them to put pressure on them to do something more, more, uh, sustained. They did notice in, note in this rulemaking change that they were going to activate uh, you know, more rules around unfair competition in their authority to, to control that. So one hopes these two will coalesce in that area, the new rules about reviews and their ability to take to task monopolies. We'll see. Yeah. And I should just mention that, um, the company I work for, Uberall, uh, has partnered with another company called Objection.co. I think they're changing their name to the transparency company to do a a pretty significant fake reviews uh, analysis of uh, TripAdvisor, Google, uh, um, uh, Facebook, and Yelp. And uh, we're still going through the data, but there's, uh, but what it basically says is there's a lot of fake reviews. And what you mentioned with the employees writing uh, fake reviews is one of the most common uh, fraud scenarios. And I would also uh, hope that the this commission looks into Yelp's suppression of actual reviews, which I think is equally damaging to small businesses. Um, I think that their Yelp likes to tout that it catches you know more fake reviews than anyone, which is probably true. But there's also far more far false positives in its uh, filtered review section, which I think is um, you know is not is not worthy of of praise or uh, the o- the only thing praiseworthy about it is it. The, the technique they use to capture those makes it more expensive for spammers to leave fake reviews. It's by driving the cost up and, and eliminating the, the reviewer that can leave one or two reviews. They've largely limited the amount of spam to, from people who are flyby spammers. It's, it's like catching dolphins in the tuna net, you know, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. They, all right. So, um, my item this week is the death or the final. Uh, shuttering shutdown of Yahoo uh, Answers <clears throat> after about 15 years. And uh, it's a product I remember and wrote about 
when it was first, st- shockingly, when it was first launched. And um, what's, what's interesting to me is not so much that Yahoo Answers itself is, is dying or dead. It's that, it's that the concept that Yahoo Answers represents, kind of human curated um, knowledge has never really, I mean, we could debate whether Core is a success or not, has never really uh, caught on. I mean, Yahoo Answers was the longest lived of one of these products, but there was a lot of crap and spam in it. And Facebook and many, many startups, uh, um, uh, Biz Stone had a startup and there have been a ton of them, Aardvark, and, uh, that have tried to, to create a real-time answer engine or matchmaking between experts and, and ordinary people to, to, to sort of leverage human knowledge. And nobody's been able to make it work. And it's really kind of shocking to me because the need and the demand, I would think, are there, but it's not ever worked. I have a, two questions for you, Greg. One is, did you write about this when you were 12? Or <laughs> second, <the laughs> yes, second... <laughs> I, was, I was a prodigy, <laughs> still this, in diapers when I wrote about that. The, the, the second is, do you think local guides could potentially, at least in the context of local, yeah. f- possibly move into this space at some level? I mean, yep. Google is doing this with Q&A, with review, uh, featured pe- local guides, with lists and so on. Yeah, absolutely. Sort of combination of curation. Well, absolutely. I mean, the hard thing, the hard thing is, I think, matching. I mean, without getting into the mechanics of doing this, which I don't claim to know how to do, I I think there are a lot of significant challenges here. But yes, that's a good suggestion. Local guides could do. They could do something very interesting with the 150 million local guides around local local knowledge. Uh, and they're sort of doing it with reviews. It's just, it's just they're super. They're doing it with Q and A too. And Q and A, but it's just asynchronous. You know, Q and A has been a massive failure. Come on, <laughs> I mean, yeah, the, the, misali- the misalignment of consumer expectation and uh, the reality of a business or anyone with a legitimate answer responding is just incredible. The, so. the Google point of view is that okay, so twenty percent of it's. Not very good. Ninety-eight percent of it is not very good, in my it's experience. Still, and in yours, you highlight you highlight Q and A of the day every every so often on Twitter, right? So, anyway, well, you get, I, you gonna, get, you get, I, I, I think ahead, your David. local your local guide suggestion or or uh, posit is interesting. I don't know that it will wholly succeed, but there is a way for it to succeed. I think that that involves more of an influencer type of arrangement. I think the problem is that most local guides are just Joe Blows, uh, who happen to be very active on Google Maps. But I resemble that if, remark. If Google, well, <laughs> uh, I'll just leave it at that. Um, there, is a, there is a place, though, for, I think, local influencers. For example, if a food critic were to be recruited into the Google local guides ecosystem or a golf course critic, in my case, were to be recruited into the the ecosystem, I think you might start to see uh, real, you know, consumer following uh, within the, the Maps app or or clicking well, within can, a, a search you, result. You did so, do something like that. You though, can you can follow local guides. They just haven't really. You can, promoted but they that. don't. They have no they credibility. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah, it, it doesn't mean anything to anyone. Right. So they have started highlighting though in certain markets some local guides that are more 
well, bigger reviewers, better it, reviews. It, right, but it, again, it, they're, they're unknown people. I think you need to have a brand that you bring to the local guides program already, as mm-hmm. opposed to trying to grow one from scratch. Nobody cares what a Yelp elite person but, thinks either. So, you know, behind <laughs> behind all of this is a kind of a fundamental uh, thing that I think is 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 relevant to the sort of larger search context. It's 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 you know, um, I think we've talked about the wire cutter in the past, right? When 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 you're looking for a blender or an air purifier or something like that. You something know, you don't want to become an expert in when you buy. Well, right? it's, it's, you want it's to just, buy something good. Yeah, right? exactly. That's most products, right? And so, I mean, you know, if you're talking about a solar roof, it's a different, different matter, but, but you, you want to go an to an e-bike or an e-bike. You want to go to a, but you want to go to an expert source that's trustworthy and get three suggestions or five suggestions that you can then do your own research on. You don't want to wade through hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of reviews and back and forth. Is this review credible? And look at the other reviews and find the consensus. That's so painful to do. And this is what this, this kind of thing about, I mean, your suggestion, David, that that they identify experts in particular topic areas and then allow you to follow them is, is great because what people ultimately want are suggestions. They don't want to bear the burden of, you know, you know, doing all the research every single time themselves. I mean, think of what a hassle it is just to go out to dinner. I mean, now we can't go out to dinner, of course, but, but like in the past, you know, it was like before you would say, Oh, I want to try that whatever barbecue place. And now it's like, oh, let me get out Yelp, and then I got to cross-reference Google, and let's look at these fifteen places. And no, that's not good enough. I mean, it's just it's just an incredible burden. And so this is what humans can do: is that they cut through all the noise and they offer cre- credibility. And I think that that's what is that's what Yahoo ans- that was the promise of Yahoo Answers or Facebook Answers or whatever that has never been realized. You know, and the gu- local guides thing is a really interesting suggestion that Google could do. If it's watching this podcast and takes our advice. So we just need a ton of downloads this week and maybe it will trend into somebody's, uh, frame. Exactly. This is, this, this will transform into the Google product recommendations (laughs) podcast. Um, here, good luck with that. I'm not sure. I really want to get it. And I, I retired from it. It's like, they don't want to hear it. I don't think I want to give Google free advice either. They could, they could pay me a fortune if they so desired, but. Okay. All right. Any any last words for the week? Any self promotional uh, discussion? Um, David, you and I and and Amanda Jordan did a street fight uh, taping, which I thought was a good conversation about the local space and GMB. Um, for sure. That's gonna. And I, that'll be I gather that local U this week was a smashing success based oh, right. on the the Twitter hashtag. So congratulations to Joy Hawkins and Carrie Hill and everyone who put right. that on. Uh, yep. Get, I gather it was really successful. So. And anything from you, Mike? I, you know, I am just living every day as it comes and trying to enjoy it. Oh, you know. This is this is the new this is the new upbeat, joyful Mike Blumenthal. Who are you handing so, off the curmudgeon trophy to? Yeah. I'll take it. I'll, I, I'll take it. <laughs> All right, we nominate Greg. Yeah, I'm. I'm very. I was told. I was told that I had a bad attitude the other day uh, in a in a work related in a work related conversation. So I'm. I'm ready Being to step. Being a curmudgeon in. is not a bad attitude. It is an attitude that looks critically at the reality yes. around us that often sucks. Yes, the the, the the skeptic. The the, yes. the yeah that thinks it could be better. And there's nothing wrong with thinking it could be better because it sure as hell could be. All right, and Fair on that enough. note, we'll say. Um, have a great fill in the blank of whatever day of week it is. If it's a master's weekend. weekend. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Right. Exactly. 
And we could have a whole conversation about that, but we won't because uh, we, we're out we of time. We can and we should. There, actually, there's a great article in The Ringer this week about the uh, pretty terrible history, racist history of the Masters. That said, it's still an incredibly fun event to watch, and I plan to do so. But uh, that's good good context, particularly while, in our current, while, current while drinking While drinking Coca-Cola, right? <laughs> right, exactly. Okay, all right. Um, that's it for us, and please join us next week and subscribe to Near Media, the newsletter, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for joining David, Mike, and Greg. To stay on top of the latest developments in local, subscribe to our newsletter at nearmedia.co. We'll see you next week.